Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 86, week 86, volume 86, number fucking 86. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Darius from Spite, and that will be coming up later in the show. So this week we're changing things up a bit. There's going to be no feedback questions, what's been going on segment. We are changing the beginning of the show from next week. So this week we're just going to launch straight into our chat, the part of the show everyone's here for. So this week's guest is Darius from Spite. And first thing I've got to say is thank you so very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. It was a really good in-depth conversation. We touched on some topics I didn't expect to reach, but they were great. And I think what you'll learn from this conversation is that the dude is passionate about music and he's just like everyone else. He has ups and downs. So it was a really good opportunity to get to know the man himself, the music, and also their upcoming album. That chat with Darius is coming up now. Um, so I usually start with kind of the usual same question, and that is, do you remember what age and what band that discovered or helped you discover music? Not necessarily a heavy band, but was there an artist that made you realize that music was a thing in itself? Um. Well, my first big musical influence I could think of was Elvis Presley. Ooh. I mean, since I was a kid, I mean, I was just obsessed with that dude. So I used to like dress up and sing his songs and stuff. So, I mean, he was kind of like the first person at like a super young age that like I looked up to that I was like, I, I want to like do music and perform and be a front man and stuff. Do you remember what brought you into Elvis? Was it the kind of the real rock star entity that he was? Honestly, like, I don't know where I first heard it, to be honest with you, but I just remember seeing all these, like, different costumes and looks and just, like, I don't know, he was a slick dude, you know? So it, it was just, uh, I don't know, just seeing that guy perform, he had his signature moves and everything, and it just, I don't know, it was just inspiring to me. So going from there, what was your transition into heavier styles of music? Was there a couple of bands that kind of opened your ears to heavier styles? Yeah, definitely. Um, there was uh, my older brother, he plays guitar and fight. He introduced me to Slipknot when I was pretty young. I want to say I was know, like sixth or seventh grade or something like that. Um, and immediately I fell in love with that. I mean, I also obsessed over that, <laughs> um, just seeing the masks and everything and just super dark and cool. And so that, that was a huge one for me. And then I think Avenged Sevenfold was another, another big one. Mm. I remember, uh, as far as like heavy, heavy stuff goes that like kind of goes into like the way, like kind of into stuff I'm into now, um, when I was in eighth grade, my girlfriend at the time showed me the ghost inside. And that's when I first heard like breakdown, breakdown and stuff like that. And I was like, man, this is hard as shit. Like, <laughs> so that's when I kind of like dove into like that kind of music. You know what I mean? So when your brother's showing you 
things like Slipknot. Are you um, kind of in awe of this? Are you a bit excited about it because it's kind of, you know, if this is what he's into, this must be cool kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, when you first hear a band like Slipknot for the first time, it's just like that anger and emotion is kind of groundbreaking, you know? And it's just like, you hear off the bat, you're like, I've never heard anything like this. So it's just, it draws a certain emotion out of you that like, I mean, nothing else in your life has ever like brought out that you've ever heard someone else like do for entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And especially that band in itself, it was very unique and still is in very ways. Yeah. Um, What was it like? with music in the household was music kind of like an accepted thing was music always played around the house and then also the other side of that question is what did the family think of their little boy running around cranking this aggressive um angry music you know music wasn't something that i don't think was like huge in my household growing up but i mean like my mom played piano and stuff like that, but it was something I kind of like me and my brother discovered on our own together. And we always kind of like, I started out as a drummer, I think when I was, I want to say like 12 or 13 or something, I started out playing drums and he played guitar. So we kind of just, you know, stuck together and discovered music together and always played together. Um, And that's kind of the way things just were as far as like, getting to, into metal and stuff. My mom was uh, not excited when she first <laughs> found out that I had discovered Slipknot. She, like, scolded my older brother and stuff. And he's like, you just need to be listening to this stuff. Like, bad for your head and all that. But, I mean, I always kind of just did things anyway. So, you know, I obviously, I'm, I'm still one of those guys that has my ears stretched. <laughs> I didn't sell out. <laughs> but, um when I first started doing that, you know, my mom was, you know, again, like, you're not allowed to do this. Nah, 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 nah. And of course, like, you know, behind closed doors, you know, I would just start doing it on my own and she couldn't really stop me from doing anything. And I think she tells me nowadays, like she listens to spite now when she's having a rough day, you know what I mean? She says, it honestly, <laughs> helps her out. and it's funny. Cause it's just, she always tells me like, as I, uh, as I kind of just did things, like it kind of helped her open her mind and not judge people as much seeing that, you know, these things that she's normally kind of like weirded out by, or might be afraid of or something like that. Like her son kind of just showed her that that's not like actually weird or insane, you know? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And uh, I guess part of the excitement is, I mean, I had the same kind of experience. It was, no, you shouldn't be listening to it. And then the excitement of sneaking away and still doing it, that sense of rebellion, um, must have also brought you in deeper and deeper. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so There's something great in doing something you're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Always is. Any part of life, man. If, if they say you can't do it, then, of course, you want to try it. Exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned in there drums. Um, why drums being your instrument of choice to start on, and um, how did you go with it? Obviously, you fast forward now, you're not a drummer, but what what was that like for yeah. you getting into drums? Um, well, besides being a front man, um, I just, something about like physically feeling the music when you're beating down on the drums, like, I don't know, just 
something about it feels different. You know what I mean? Uh, it's something that I feel like I could, I don't know. It's the most physical connection I feel like you can have mm. when playing an instrument. I don't know. Uh, with the rhythm and everything, I just kind of gravitated, gravitated towards that. And um, I don't know. I kind of started playing and I played in a couple bands for a while. I did some covers with my brother. And after a while, it's just, uh, I mean, I feel like I got, I got pretty good at it. I'm not, you know, crazy or anything, but I mean, I feel like I still play this day, but it just wasn't quite fulfilling. You know, when, when you start to have, you know, strong emotions about things, you want to write, you want to scream your head off, you want to do that stuff. And like, I was just like, this is what I need to be doing. So I kind of left that behind and I haven't, I haven't played drums in a while. <laughs> So, you know, you're mentioning the early bands there. So this is obviously high school years. Was high school an enjoyable or a miserable place for you growing up? And did you identify yourself as like an alternative heavy kid at that age? Um, so high school was, yeah, it was an interesting time. I mean... I had a weird experience in the sense that like, I guess, yeah, I did identify as an alternative kid. Um, you know, hung out with the not, you know, crazy popular kids all the time, but at the same time, it was kind of weird. You know, I felt, felt like outcasted, mm. but I also like, you know, everyone also said they knew me. So it was, it was kind of a weird a weird feeling, I guess. Like everyone was like, Oh, Darius. Like I know Darius. Darius is my friend. I'm like, I, are we friends? You know what I mean? Like, so I kind of just like, everyone said they're my friend, but I didn't actually hang out with anyone. You know what I mean? So I was like, wait a second. What, is, what does that mean? You know, that would have been um, weird, but I never, what's that? That would have felt weird. Like you don't feel like you belong, but everyone really says weird, you do. Yeah. I mean, that was most of my high school experience growing up till about my senior year. And uh, my senior year was like one of the worst years of my life. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, you know, I I was in a, a terrible, terrible relationship that kind of dictated my whole year. You know, I, I barely graduated high school, you know, not because I'm stupid or anything, but, you know, it's just when I was like out of high school, like out of school for the day, like I refused to do like homework and stuff like that. I'm like, man, I'm spending seven hours of my day here. I got enough shit outside of school to think about, like, I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I would like pay attention obviously in school and, you know, I did well in tests. So my grades like kind of like averaged out, you know, so I barely passed, but, um, it was just, uh, it was a bad relationship. My, my stuff at home was not very great either. And it was a year where I very much felt alone in the world. So I think, I mean, my senior year of high school, I think a lot of the events that happened that year kind of dictated a lot of what sprouted my anger in spite, you know? Yeah. And it, it, those challenging and difficult times do, as they say, create some of the best art. Um, and you obviously, Correct. you obviously have had an outlet um, in that last year of school or as you graduate school, was music as a career something that you were determined to do or was music as a career not really considered yet? 
Um, music as a career was all I let myself believe I was going to do. So as soon as I started playing music, I was like, I'm, I'm never going to do anything else. I'm going to play in a band. I'm going to make it. And that's it. I, I figured, kind of convinced myself, you know, having a plan B just basically means that you're not fully giving plan A your full attention. So I feel like you fail as soon as you're coming up with your backup plan. You know what I mean? So mm. putting all your eggs in one basket was kind of my strategy. And it clearly it's, it's starting to show the fruit for the labor. Starting to, yeah, yeah. Well, I <laughs> mean, it, about it. it is, and it, it's part of the, the journey along the way. Before we start getting into some spite stuff, I want to talk about, you said, you know, getting rid of playing drums to become the, a frontman. Um, what was that transition like for you, and how did you go about um, training your voice? Because if anyone listens to any spite stuff, uh, you can hear that your voice is not, pigeonholed into one style you've learned to create such a vast range within your delivery so what was it like learning out in the early years with your voice um so as far as like the deathcore side of it goes um i mean i listened to a lot of things like i mean i listened to a bunch of stuff starting out screaming i was even like you know practicing to like event sevenfold a lot of stuff it's not even like deem like really screaming shit anymore you know Mm. but um and then i moved into you know like uh like white chapel and you know i like beer and all that kind of stuff and i would just like to me learning how to scream is like i want to i want to make these noises and stuff like that and it's it's i always like prided myself in being able to like mimic people's voices and stuff like that you know that's like when, you know, we're giving each, giving each other shit in the van with the band and stuff like that, my go-to thing is to just, you know, mock somebody in their voice <laughs> or a completely bizarre cartoony voice and they'll hate me for it. But like, that's like, I feel like I'm able to manipulate my voice well. And while trying to like learn how to scream, part of it was just like listening to this music all the time and like, just kind of like mimicking the sound, you know, I don't really know how else to explain it. And you kind of do that and you do that and then you just kind of, you know, you're driving in your car and you're just trying to experiment with what's the most like bizarre noise I can make with my vocal cords, my throat, you know, (laughs) and like that's really where you start like making crazy shit happen. And then so that's, I guess, as far as like, you know, deathcore vocals go. And then there's my like yells that um, I guess Spike gets recognized a lot for. It's like this. uh you could hear a lot of my voice in it, I guess, um, kind of scream. Mm. And it's, uh, it's not really screaming. It's like, I don't know when, again, like forming that band was during a time of my life where I was just so angry at the world. And I had a lot of, you know, angry meltdowns and, and stuff like that. And in those periods, I'm, I'm literally like convulsing and I'm, I'm yelling, you know, and like, what does your voice sound like? when you're yelling and you're mm. just so genuinely angry that you can't control yourself. And like, that was like, this is what spite's about. This is what I'm going to do. And I kind of just, I'm yelling out of anger. So <laughs> and yeah. out of, after a while that became something that like, I needed to actually kind of learn how to train myself to like, not damage my voice doing it and all that kind of stuff. Cause when you're, when you're doing that, you know, I mean, you might not know, but when you're, you've had a night where you were just 
you're going at it. Let's say you could be arguing with someone or something and you're yelling and you're screaming or whatever. The next day your voice is like hoarse because of what you did, you know? Mm. And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't actually realistically perform that way with spite if I was going to tour and stuff. So over time, just learning like where to push these noises from and, uh, how to open your throat more and stuff like that really helped me like not damage my voice. And that took a long time to figure out, honestly. So, but confident with it now. (laughs) It also, you know, something, you know, as you mentioned there, it is, you know, a very much an outlet, the, the music you're singing and playing and a lot of passion and energy and angst goes into it. So it, is it something that has been a bit of a trial and error, which which is learning when you're playing live, giving it all, but not giving so much that you blow your voice out? Yeah. Um, I have lost my voice a few times on tour, which has been very stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally it's when I get sick. And the combination of doing that with your vocal cords and being sick and all your snot building up in the back and, you know, you get a sore throat and all that kind of stuff. Just like it, it's just, it's so dooming. (laughs) And I think part of it, like what I learned how to, um, I mean, I like, sorry, I'm bouncing around a little bit. I like to go 100% on stage. Mm. I feel like you have to, it's like what separates you from everything else, you know, you're just giving it your all playing a show. Like you're not playing a show tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Just like that. And focusing on that particular performance every night, just like getting into your zone and just letting everything out, you know? So I didn't really want to like hold back what I was doing with my voice because of, you know, those risks of losing it which kind of hurt me sometimes, but, uh, you kind of like, you learn how to stay healthy. And that's, that's kind of the trick is, I mean, on tour, you're eating not great. There's not a whole lot you can do about that. You can do your best, but the key that I found out to keeping your voice is sleeping. Sleeping Mm -hmm. is when your vocal cords repair themselves. And if you're not sleeping, you're not going to have your voice. (laughs) And that took me a very long time to figure out. And finally I do, but I used to be the primary driver of my band. So I drove overnight all the time. And this last tour we did with Born of Osiris was the first tour that I officially did not drive at night. And I had zero issues with my voice Oh, at all. <laughs> it's ah. great. Yeah. It's, it... So I kind of experimented with it for a while, but I, I got, I got the key. You mentioned in there something that I think is some something that Spike can tip its hat to is, you know, you guys are renowned for how intense your live shows are, how your live shows engulf the audience into that moment that literally every show feels like it's the last show for you guys and for that crowd to witness. Um, it's something very rare nowadays. You guys don't seem to go through the motions. You're not known for a band that has an off night you know you go to see spy play they give 148 percent um is that something for you guys um that has always been important and is that hard like do you ever go to a show and you're like oh just not feeling it today but still you turn up with your a game yeah absolutely um the whole band takes a lot of pride in 
being uh, 100% on the A game, you know. Uh, my brother, you know, especially is a very much perfectionist and we, we take a lot of time, you know, putting together our set and rehearsing for shows. Um, we just want to, we want to make an impact that, you know, you don't normally see all the time. Like, I mean, there's, there's so many bands playing heavy music, you know, it's what's, what's going to separate you from everyone else. You know, I, I, I don't like, um, okay. Yeah. There's a huge thing <laughs> that has always bothered me growing up and going to shows and all this kind of stuff is when people in the comments on Facebook and all that, people go like, you know, all right, uh, there's a tour that's announced and they're like, okay, I've already seen this band. Like I don't need to go. Or like, mm-hmm. I've seen this band a couple of times. Like I'm good, you know? And it's like, that sucks. You know what I mean? Like I don't ever want to become a band that someone's just like, Oh yeah. Like I've seen them. You know what I mean? So I don't need to see them again. It's like, you want to like create an experience for someone that they see that and they're like, Oh my God, I need to see that again. Or I need to experience what I just felt again, you know? And I feel like that a lot of bands and musicians like forget about that. You know what I mean? It's just, they go through the motions and you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> no. And so also part of, that's part of the whole deal. You know, it's also part of the thing that, you know, the way you guys are live would also help win over fans who maybe weren't there to see you, but it also, if you're on the lineup, say your middle, last, first, whatever you are, your guy's setting a benchmark that other bands on the bill then have to try and they'll see Spike playing and they go, ah, oh, fuck. All right, we better we better try and go better <laughs> than them. It, it it improves the experience for the general public. Yes, I like doing that shit. <laughs> have you ever have you ever noticed that um, you've been on a lineup and you know? The band before didn't really quite do it. They were kind of through the motions. You come in, and then the other band's watching you going, oh, no, all right, okay. <laughs> it, uh, I mean, I'm not going to put any names out there, but it, it's it's happened on plenty of occasions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's an annoying experience, but it's also kind of like a fulfilling experience at the same time, you I, know? I think it's sick. So, I love it. Know. Put them in the ground, you know what I'm saying? You you want to you want to be on top. Oh yeah. Um, let's get to this. You know some of the releases that Spite have had along the way, and the first EP, Misery, in 2014. Um, you were saying before there was a very difficult time you were going into at that stage. Was that a very cathartic release for you? And did that release give you guys a bit of momentum straight out of the gate? Yes, one, one hundred percent. So, I mean, when I, when I first kind of like, not first started, but when I was before Spite, I was in a band. It was more of a rock oriented band. Like it was still heavy. Like it was all, you know, screaming and all that stuff. But, uh, it was not like, I had a lot of fun with it, but it's not really like, it just was like, it was just pure entertainment. You know what I mean? The lyrics were just shit that I didn't really care about. And I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. And I, uh, being, I was pretty involved with the music scene and I knew a bunch of other people playing in bands. And that's kind of where like Cody came into play. We had a couple side projects like in the past that we played together in and Cody, Cody's the producer engineer for spite. He helps write a lot of music. He used to play drums in it and stuff like that. So, um, he, I texted him one day and I was just kind of like, 
hey man, like he had his own little like home studio set up. I pretty much hit him up and I was just like, you know, I'm trying to do just an over the top heavy band. Like I'm like going through a bunch of shit. I'm really pissed off. Like I need to make the music that I want to hear when I'm feeling like this. Mm. And he took that text and just ran with it. And he made this track called misery. It was an instrumental. It was our first song we ever put out. And I heard it and he sent it to me. I heard it right away. And I was like, this is exactly what I was trying to do. So I heard it. I wrote the song and we, I went to his home studio. We tracked it. And like the day I tracked it, we put it out on Facebook. We named the band. We made this like little mock little artwork thing. And we just put it up and like, immediately some people like picked up on it we got like some uh promotion group called chug core you know picked mm. it up and started sharing it everywhere and we we immediately kind of gained traction from that so we kind of like created the band off of that first song that we just wrote together we wrote an entire ep and then you know got the rest of the members in it kind of just started from there it, it that that it really did quite buzz that misery and the self-titled as well. The the buzz behind you guys in those those early stages was was pretty big. The anticipation was there. Um, what was it like the early shows uh, for you guys? Was it easy to get shows at the start, or was it a bit hard for you guys to get on lineups? It was um, it was pretty easy actually. I mean, everyone in spite had been in bands all over we're from the bay area and california we had we had been in bands all over that area so we've been playing shows with our other bands for years and we all kind of just like formed this i guess you would call it a super group or whatever we kind of formed this band you know made of other bands essentially and since we all kind of had connections already we've been playing shows a lot you know uh the local scene you know had no issue like picking up on this new band you know what i mean so we were able to get shows we had a there's this production company called Pinup Productions. My friend Joel Haston runs it. And he uh he was familiar with everyone and you know, he immediately kind of picked us up and started helping us get shows all around the bay and helped us into our first tours and all that. And what was the you know, at that time you look at the general heavy scene, what you guys were doing was, you know, in some people's <coughs> phrase would be deathcore, but it was a lot more um, in the slam side of things, a bit more down tempo. What was it like for you guys with what you were doing and the way it was being receiving? Was it just automatically people were getting into it? Kind of, yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, when we play shows, everyone was about it. So we had like, we had, I mean, not the turnouts weren't always like amazing or anything, but everyone was stoked on the music, you know? And what I liked about it was that, like, we could kind of play with anybody. Even though we were this, like, over-the-top heavy band, we wound up playing shows with all different kinds of, like, metal, alternative music, you know what I mean? And, like, it was always fun, you know? No one no one really gave a shit about what kind of genre it is. And I don't really know if that's just, like, the Bay Area or how it was at the time, but, like, we would play shows with, like, slam bands. We'd play shows with, like, you know, like, heavy metal bands and then we would even play hardcore shows and like no one gave a shit everyone just like threw down in their own way and we had like the best shows you know and uh it's i feel like that's different now like a lot of people are like 
really heavy into like, well, this is this kind of genre of music, like, fuck this, I can't listen to this because of like how it's perceived by everyone or whatever. It kind of kind of sucks, but back in the day, like that shit just like didn't matter as much, I guess, where I was from. Yeah, it is weird how, you know, the tag or genre tag that a band is given and quite often given because the band normally doesn't come out and say we're this style. As soon as that tag is thrown on a band, mm-hmm. it, as you said, it, it is very weird how people just ignore some bands. And that's obviously something from what you're saying that has in some ways maybe stop people getting into spite. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no doubt that it does. And, you know, it's unfortunate. I listen to all kinds of metal and I, I appreciate each thing for what it is. Like, it's not like the music I listen to is not like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's your identity, but it's not my identity. You know what mm. I mean? Like I have my own band and that's, I guess that's my identity, you know, but I feel like people are just like, so worried about you know with social media and stuff like that like how they look to the like how they look to everybody else you know what i mean and it's just it's kind of (laughs) like you know when you're young you're taught like you know don't worry about what everyone else thinks about you and everyone says that they don't but they all do you know (laughs) it's it's i don't know it's kind of (laughs) whack it is it's it's pretty fucked up it is it is it's very strange um now those first two releases um, obviously after the self-titled from what I remember and what I was looking back, you started to really get bigger and bigger shows. Um, and obviously for you, the outlet, you guys are known as a pissed off band. Um, were you finding that your band was also helping people? Because I think sometimes people go, that's an angry band, but they don't realize that it actually can be cathartic and can help people. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I get, you know, messages sometimes, you know, people saying, oh, your music helped me so much. and You know, it saved me from this and da, 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 da. And like, you know, different variations of that. And like, that is super important. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, I, I mean, that's why we started the band. It's like, I need a place to like channel this, this feeling that nothing else is satisfying. It's like, if that's what I'm doing for other people, that's literally like the reason I started it for myself. So that's, that means a lot. And, uh, I think it's important, especially right now with the way shit is in the world. It's, it's a pretty dark place right now. And I think that, you know, if a lot of people had this outlet and it wasn't, you know, shunned from them their whole life you know they might have had a place to channel that and it could have saved people from suicide it could have saved people from from doing terribly violent things you know what i mean and it's just it's like this music gets a bad rap in the general public like it's like actually causing those things and i think it kind of does the opposite it provides it provides some uh some somewhere to go somewhere to go for like you know shit people are feeling that they wouldn't talk to like anyone else about you know yeah i also i also think that you know the amount of shows i've been to and that it it is also a sense of community and no matter how you feel and how much of an outsider you feel you when you go to a show or when you start getting into music you feel like you belong to something um and that can help people with their struggles as well Mm mm-hmm 
Now it definitely is. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. You're. Um, I wanted to talk about going into nothing is beautiful um, because I think that mm. album. You know, without hearing the new one that's about to come out, I think that album really cement cemented you guys as something to be reckoned with because you guys lined up with Stay Sick records or recordings um mm-hmm. first question is how did that link up come with that label and were you looking at staying independent or were there other labels you were considering um well the way it happened was we were kind of you know shopping i guess out to labels just hoping someone you know would hear us or whatever and uh you know we didn't have any like I guess like an ex- certain label we wanted to be on, but we, we needed help, you know, kind of getting out there, I think. And we wanted to take, you know, touring up to the next level and reaching out to a new audience and all that. And our manager at the time was Joel, who I mentioned before, who ran pinup. And, um, he had a relationship with Mike Milford, who was running stay sick with, uh, Franz and, he just kind of texted him, I believe just some of our music was like, Hey, you know, check this out. If you can, there's a band I'm managing just as a friendly thing. And he heard it and was immediately stoked on it and showed it to Franz and Franz was really hyped on it right away. And it kind of just happened really fast like that. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, not, not a crazy interesting story, but it did happen very fast. And that, that, that album, I feel like really, you know, the momentum just, kept going and going and building and building. Um, you guys then were playing bigger and bigger shows. Is this when you felt like people were starting to take you seriously? And I, not to say they weren't taking you seriously before, but, you know, you're on a label, you're getting bigger shows, your live shows are getting better. Um, is this kind of the big turning point for Spite at a time? Um. It was when Nothing Is Beautiful came out. We we wound up switching management around that time, which was big for us. Um, and it was uh, we we're starting to tour with other bands that I guess are more reputable. And we got you know we toured with uh, right before Nothing Is Beautiful. We toured with Oceano and Slaughter to Prevail, and then we got this tour with Make Them Suffer and Enterprise Earth. And like we were a young band at the time, and we were scoring these tours, and like those were big turning points for us, especially that Oceano tour was, was huge for us because it was, it opened the doors to that like large deathcore audience, you know, that we we're kind of just knocking on the door of, you know? And, um, it was, um, it was a time where like, like all these people would just hit us up. Like after we play a show and just be like, I've never heard this before. I've never heard of anything like this before. And like, it's all word of mouth, you know, mm-hmm. like what was cool about spite since the beginning is like, I feel like since we've always had this energy of putting on like everything, you know, giving everything we have into our shows, it's, we've dedicated, I mean, get grown a very dedicated following and people that have like fucked with us since the beginning are still like coming to our shows now. And I've seen it's like 15 to 20 times. And like to have that like door open, we're reaching a bunch of people. It's like, we immediately gain like, much bigger loyal following, you know. The 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 rabid fans you have, I mean, what what do you think contributed to that? Because as you said, you, you guys are known for having 
a very, very loyal, diehard fan base. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it was our lyrical content. Um, it's like kind of like what you said before. It's like there is a sense of community in it. I I have a song called Outsiders, and it's kind of like what what we're about, you know. And uh, you know, we have we call ourselves the Spike Cult and the Outsiders, and it's like it it is a place for everyone to come and like connect to. And like we kind of started off. I mean, we got our name for ourselves through like being the most, you know, people say the most angry band and aggressive band, you know, out there and saying stuff that other people won't say in their lyrics and that kind of stuff. And I think that's, that's why people connect to it. You know, it's just like some, some people are just like, I haven't heard this before. And like, this is, I guess this is what I connect to, you know? It, and I, I'm not surprised. It, it, it really is, you know, a welcoming group because everyone gets attached to the same feelings, the same vibe. Um, what's it like for you guys going into this new album, The Root of All Evil, um, with the, you know, momentum? I mean, this album, a couple of songs, I think two songs, yeah, two songs have already released. Um, is there mm-hmm. any internal pressure and expectation for you guys? Yeah, I mean, there definitely is. Uh, you know, nothing is beautiful aged. Well, I think it, it kind of gained more traction like a year after the album came out, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and which is cool to me that an album will continuously, you know, gain shit from it. But with this album, it's like, I know a lot of people love spite because of that album. And it is, you know, it is a little like, like I don't know what people are going to think of this next music, but I'm very much a believer of not releasing the same album twice. You know, mm. um, I don't. I think that there's something for everyone on this next album. You know, there's all different influences from different kinds of metal on it, and I think you know I want people to enjoy it for what it is. Uh, it's not nothing is beautiful, but it's still spite. It's very much spite, and we're always going to be spite. So. And that, that's something that yeah. I don't think a lot of people um, maybe sometimes realise is the, you know, how you said, which I think you need to tip your cap to, is that nothing ever, you know, sounds the same. It's always the same core ingredients, but it evolves because the music you guys are playing, mm-hmm. there is that pressure of you need to make the next thing a bit different, but then you don't want to make it too different to possibly alienate people. Exactly. So it is, you know, there's, there's pressure, but you just kind of have to do what you know how to do and what feels right. And like, then whatever comes out, comes out. You know what I mean? There's a level of like balance between like, so you, you have to remember like the people that listen to you and I guess your fan base are what make you successful, like, or why you are doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Uh, it's why people show up your shows, why you have the platform you have. It's like literally all your success is because of your fan base. So you can't completely go off the rails and just be like, you know, like, fuck what you think. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Blah, 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 blah. Like you can do that. I just don't recommend it. You know, (laughs) like you gotta, you gotta remember, like you have, you do have to respect your fans. So you have to find the balance 
of kind of giving people what they want to hear with what they fell in love with you as, you know, and then also doing something for yourself. So it's, it's kind of hard to find, but I do think that we do that with every album. You know, we are spite. We are an angry fucking band. We're aggressive band. We're, you know, we're a heavy band and we always want to be those things. Just however we do it might vary, but we will always do those things. So yeah, fuck yeah. Um, what about for you lyrically going into um, this album? I mean, are you are you trying to stay true to what you're known as or are you looking to branch out into some more topics per se? Um, yeah, I think I do. I do branch off into some other topics. Some are kind of bold. Uh, but um, that's, again, kind of what Spite's about is kind of just breaking those boundaries and talking about things that you know a lot of other people are not talking about. So this... Nothing is Beautiful was written in a very rough place in my life. Um, it was a time where I was a very heavy alcoholic. And, you know, I feel like the music translated the way it did because of that, going through that in my life at the time. Um, it's very psychotic. It's all over the place. It's just, it's, it's angry and suicidal. It's, it's kind of depressing but it is very genuine and I'm very proud of it because of that with this album was during a time where I was kind of recovering from all that. And I think the anger kind of stemmed from a place that wasn't as like random and sporadic. It was more put together. Um, it's less, um, less focused on, uh, you know, I, I, I touch base on religion a lot and nothing is beautiful. And with this album, I don't think I'm, doing that as much there's like little bits and pieces of it spread around spread around different songs but i don't focus on that quite as much in this one um i think this one is kind of just like it's kind of like the different things in my life during the last year or two that have like made me what i am today and that have like continued to fuel my anger throughout these years and i think each song is kind of like a different place of like that of where all that stems from so i call it the root of all evil because the song is basically like it's my surroundings it's my personal experiences and it's everything that creates my identity and like that's why the album cover is the skull that i created my thumbprint it's not my thumbprint but the thumbprint you know mixed in together it's i guess that's the meaning behind it oh fuck yeah well i mean anyone listening now i think extra excitement um that's also got to say um as an also a recovering um abusive alcoholic um good work man well well done like it's it's hard to come out of that dark spot dude it's not easy to do um and i think i also understand the the anger around that time is probably the bit of the self um self anger at the fact that you can let yourself get to such a stage Absolutely. I, um, I was like that. I mean, that's kind of where like it all began was kind of that my last year of high school. And that's kind of where it started kind of early before I should have even been touching that shit, you know, but, uh, that went on for about four years and, uh, I, I quit for a year and a half, which was that year I wrote this album. So it was another, you know, it wasn't a time of, you know, 
I wasn't exactly clear headed. Like you think, Oh, you're not, you're not drinking anymore. Like, you know, your, your mind's in a better place. And it's like, not really, you know, like <laughs> withdrawals are, are no fucking joke, you know? And it's like, it, it took me almost a full year to feel normal. Cause I didn't really know what normal was. You know, I was wrapped up in that shit during some of the most formative years of my life, you know? And, you know, it's just like that time was filled with just like pure anxiety and like depression. And like, I didn't even like at that point, like, because I was trying to better myself by not doing this shit, I was like, you know, not suicidal because I wanted to better myself. I wanted to live a good life. I, you know, I'm trying to change and, but I almost felt like it was inevitable and it was just a really uncomfortable thing to have weighing on me all the time that like, I felt like that was just my destiny and uh, it was kind of shitty. So I wrote about that a good amount on the album. Uh, It's not super obvious all the time, but I I wrote about those things um, in the root of all evil. And uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not sober now in the sense where I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm not completely clean anymore, which some people are disappointed in. And it's, um, it is a touchy subject. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not, I'm confident, you know, in saying I'm not an alcoholic anymore, mm. or at least I don't allow myself to be. Um, I found kind of like my balance and my place where I can feel comfortable, you know, enjoying it here and there. And that took a long time to find and a lot of hard work to find <laughs> and is. a lot of time not being around it, you know? Um, so I am in a better place now, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. It's like that road is a really tough road and it's not exactly just a straight path all the time. You know what I mean? It's, it's not, and you know, it's, you it's, might understand <laughs> it is, it's a very, um, I don't think if people have been there can understand, especially when, as you were saying, you know, trying to better yourself by getting off it for a period of time, um, the other problems that you have rear their ugly head and become more prevalent, prevalent, sorry. Um, but also, um, trying to, uh, keep control of it afterwards. And I, I think good on you for doing what you want to do now, but having it occasionally, but then there's always, I also understand the thought in your back of your head. You still want to try and control it. You don't want that thing to take control of you again. It's hard. It's not easy. Exactly. It's it's fucking not easy, man. So I, I I fucking tip my hat a million times to you, man. I think it's and <laughs> Thanks, the, man. you as well. <laughs> um, the lyrics I think will be exciting to see. Want to ask about writing lyrics for you? Is it something that is very easy for you to do? Because you are de- you are delving into dark, um, angry, depressing, um, very internal venting issues. Is it easy to do or is it something that once you spill it out on paper, you feel better for it and you go, ah, it's out? Yeah. So nothing is beautiful was very easy for me to write. Nothing is beautiful. Just like you said, I kind of just spilled out of me. Um, it was just, it's exactly how I was feeling during that time of my life. And it was just easy to just voice that out. You know what I mean? I had the music to back up those, those feelings and it just, I was able to spill it out. And, uh, that was great. You know, um, as far as this album goes, it was different for me. Um, I did spend a lot of time, uh, writing these lyrics and, you know, um, 
I think some of them are structured a little bit better, but there were times where like I sat down to write and I just could not write anything. And like, you know, I would just put this thing down. I'm like, I'm not going to force anything, you know, whatever. And then there were times where like things just came right to me and I was able to just pump out a whole song and just feel great about it. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, there are definitely things that I did want to write about that I knew I wanted to write about. And there was like, sometimes it was hard to like articulate exactly how I wanted to say it. You know, the, the last album, nothing is beautiful. So it's like, you know, a lot of it, it sounds like someone is having an angry meltdown the whole, the whole album. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's, you know, the word fuck is used. I don't even know how many times, like, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's, I mean, it's real, you know, but I try not to just like overdo it. in that aspect of, I wanted it to be put together. It's still genuine and angry and how I feel, but it's just, just a little bit more, I think, put together. Ooh. Um, and whenever you write a song, are you ever, um, you know, are you a perfectionist about it? And then the other part of that question is, are you ever worried about making yourself in some ways vulnerable on, on a song? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't know if I worry about it. I think it's important to be vulnerable in music. Um, I think that's, that's what people really connect to. You know what I'm saying? Um, obviously that's what, that's what makes it special and stand out. And someone's able to hear that and be like, I've never, like, that's what I've needed to hear. You know what I'm saying? When you're saying what everyone else is saying, obviously that's not going to happen, you know? And, uh, I think that like, I mean, there's a song called every song on nothing is beautiful is a very vulnerable song. I mean, just the track itself, nothing is beautiful is, is very personal. And, uh, you know, a wall is a very, you know, uh, you know, specific angry song. And then, you know, self-destruct is probably, I mean, the most emotional song I think I've, you know, written on that album. I mean, the ending, even when I listen to it now, I'm like, fuck man, you know, mm. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, I spilled it out during, during that, uh, during that album. And I, I do feel good about it though. I don't feel, um, like I should have held something back. And with this album, I kind of did the same in different ways. Um, you know, again, I didn't write about the same topics, but I did not really hold back in what I said. And, you know, the lyrics are very bold. They are specific. And even some people actually might not take them very well. So, but again, like I'm prepared, like, this is my music. This is how I'm feeling. And I, I should be able to do whatever I want as far as, you know, lyrical content goes. And, uh, you know, I can't, I can't write with everyone else in mind lyrically. You know what I mean? Lyrically always has to come from the heart. And I think I did. So, yeah, um, fuck yeah. we'll see, we'll see what people connect to this time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm pumped. Um, last couple of things I wanted to ask, um, and you kind of loosely touched on it there and you touched on it earlier. I wanted, I wanted to, to know, you know, with, what you do with music and what you write about, um, the craziness of social media um, and how it's just obscene nowadays. Do you pay attention to the absolute fucking insanity that goes on there or is it something that it's hard to avoid? Because surely you guys cop a lot of positivity but also there must be a lot of backlash as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm, I keep up, you know, uh, I don't necessarily like it all the time that I keep up, but you know, 
uh, unfortunately, social media kind of runs everything now. Mm-hmm. And to stay up with everything, you kind of have to, you know, follow up with it. So I do, I do keep up. I, you know, I think if I didn't have this band, if I didn't have, I feel like I kind of have to have social media. If I didn't feel like I had to, I probably wouldn't be on it as much because it does, it does kind of make you depressed. You know, it mm-hmm. does take a damper on every day. You know, it's like it's most of the time, like 90% of the time, the shit on there is not good news. <laughs> it's, you know, people just, it's people, I feel like letting out their issues and a lot of it anger, like justifying, like justifying their anger towards other people in weird ways. And I, I just don't like how it's done. Like, <laughs> I don't it's, know. It's, um, it's nasty, but, know, al- but it's also, unfortunately nowadays a band needs to be on there. So it's really weird. The balance it has to. Yeah. Uh, the song judgment day, which is out already is kind of about, um, social media in a way. Um, you know, it's, it's about, I don't, I'm trying to think of the right word to call it like appropriate. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, uh, you see it on the internet all the time, like can't cancel culture. Mm. I, I hate the idea of that, that like one person's mistake dictates the rest of their life and they're socially outcasted forever. Like, I just think that's like, that's absurd. Like, that's just like, you know, the, the whole, everyone's always trying to preach positivity and like, what's going to make the world a better place. And it's like, you're, you're worsening it. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're ruining people's lives for like minuscule things. And instead of like someone being able to learn from a mistake, it's like they, they will permanently suffer and get bullied for the rest of their life for like something they did. And like, you can't grow up like that way. You know what I mean? Like, you can't evolve. The world can't become a better place if everyone is just being essentially like virtually like killed off. You know what I mean? It's really weird. And like that drives people to like extreme levels of anger and extreme levels of depression. And that's where violence stems from and like all that stuff. It's like that, that's kind of what judgment day is about is like these people that think they are better than everyone else by like publicly, you know, essentially like socially executing someone. And then, you know, when they like, I'm sh- everyone has baggage, you know what I mean? Everyone's done shit in their life. And it's like, it's just because no one's found out your dirty laundry yet. You know what I'm saying? So it's just Ooh, like, yeah. I hate that shit. Well, <laughs> so I, 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 that's, I, that's what judgment day is about. I think, I think um, everything you said, I, I 400% agree with. I also think it's important for people to remember that, the only way you grow as a person is by learning off what you've done and nobody's a saint. So we've all got skeletons in our closet and we've all learned from those mistakes. So, I mean, these people trying to lynch yeah. mob others is pretty much hypocritical because they're trying to say yeah, they're but, perfect. It's, you know, exactly. It's very hypocritical and everyone wants to be seen by everyone. Like it's all, it's all like a big, you know, like make me famous fucking jerk off. And it's just like, everyone's just like, look what I did. Like I called out this person. I'm a better person because I'm calling out this person who did this bad thing. And it's like, you know, your little five seconds of fame there for like, wow, everyone's like, Oh, you're so great. Like, uh, it's, just, it's just fucking <laughs> stupid, man. It drives me nuts. But it's just like every day I open my phone. I'm like, motherfucker, man. Like, I mean, again, like 
that's the kind of shit I wouldn't write about on Nothing Is Beautiful, but on this album, I'm, I'm writing about shit I'm just like seeing every day that I'm just like, what the fuck? It is. So it is what the that's fuck. Kinda, <laughs> it's what the fuck, man. <laughs> now, Scary. one of the other questions I had um, is kind of your your heavily touring band. You're a band that work hard. You work at it. How do you? find the balance um because it's not easy finding the balance between being on the road and giving everything to your music and finding a balance for yourself and family and girlfriends and things like that is have you found a balance or is it something that you're constantly trying to learn i i don't think i've found the balance um it is something i'm constantly trying to learn it's something i've been dealing with even just like right now at home and it's just it's weird like playing music is something I've done for so long and like I'm touring constantly like the spite tours a lot and it's just like I I feel most like connected with myself when I'm touring because I'm like this is what I'm meant to be this is what I'm supposed to be doing this is everything I've worked for it's my life you know and I I feel most in touch with myself and when I get home I kind of just like get left in this limbo because I'm like not really I try to work on music as much as I can, but everyone's off doing their own thing. And like, it's, it's weird. Um, I don't really like being home that much, even though I miss being home when I'm on tour. That's just, you know, the way it goes. But I, um, you know, like it's just life moves fast when you do this, you know, when you tour all the time and stuff like that. And, you know, your friends kind of just wind up growing up and, you know, drifting apart and doing different shit. You can't keep up with everyone because you're literally just gone. Mm. And it's, it's tough, you know? So you're, you're out doing your thing and you, you know, you're going a hundred miles per hour and then you get home and everything's different and everything's changed. And you're like, wait a second, you know? And I feel like every time I go on a tour, I'm like trying to adjust when I get home and it, it's rough, you know? Um, but it's just the way it is. I mean, there's just a lot of lack of stability. So you kind of have to just appreciate the little things when you can, you know? Um, and I guess that's my, my recommendation is just the little, the little things where I keep you going, you know? Yeah. The pressure, the pressure it puts on, you know, your life away from music, but also the pressure it puts on you, um, internally and mentally, um, is something maybe a lot of people don't realize and appreciate. Because being being a touring yeah. band is not an easy thing. It it takes dedication to to do what you do. Hundred percent. You know, friendships and relationships, and even family. It's just like they kind of wind up drifting sometimes. And, you know, you hit them up and they kind of just don't really hit you back. Or you hit them up and you know they start talking. And you're like, yo, like what's up? I haven't seen you in forever. And everyone just kind of like, yeah, you know, well that's just the way it is. You can't really blame them. You know what I mean? You can't blame people for drifting away from you when you're just not around, you know? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's weird. It's, it's weird, but I mean, it also takes a passion and a drive to keep going through that, you know, to keep persisting with music. It also takes that drive. Totally. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't live, you know, I'm not really ready to live a happy life, man. You know, I want it, but (laughs) You know, I can't, I can't let myself get too comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, I just, that doesn't feel right. And I've had it a couple of times and it's an odd experience. And I'd rather, I'd rather just, 
not almost not have complete happiness all the time it's weird to say that <laughs> no it, it's it's not it's quite uh, i kind of i understand um i know what you mean um now last thing i want to ask is from a creative standpoint where do you see the music industry nowadays because as we've just talked about being a touring band takes a lot out of you and it's you know also being a touring band or a band in general you really kind of have to fight to make money and especially nowadays with uh streaming and digital tool things the art of physicals dying um merch is kind of a wavering thing so do you see the industry is um at a good stage or do you think the industry is bad or do you think the industry hasn't quite figured itself out yet um Loaded question. You know, right? I actually, <laughs> I wrote a song about this. It's funny that a lot of these questions are relating to a lot of what's on the Revolve Evil. I wrote a song about this. I wrote a song about how I think a lot of like the industry is nowadays. Um, it's called Incarcerated on the CD. Um, and uh, I mean, I could just tell you to, to hear it when it comes out, but it's another song. It's a little bold. I'm not a huge fan of the way the industry works right now. Um, it's it, it completely sucks the life out of you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And sometimes it, it, it kind of drains the emotion from you as well, you know? So, um, also, you know, the way other bands are now, I, I do, and a lot, a lot of people hate me for this, but I do feel are going to hate me for this, but I do feel the music scene is a little oversaturated right Mm now. Um, I do think that like, you know, obviously music should be, music is going to be recycled, not should be, but it's going to be recycled. You can't, I mean, it's going to happen, you know, Mm. but I feel like music is painfully recycled now and it's, it's tough sometimes. And I think the, the standard for a lot of music, I think right now is pretty low. You know, a lot of Mm. the stuff I hear, I'm just like, what you know and like i mean that's just my personal opinion that's how i feel and there are like you know a lot of young bands that are coming up right now that are insane you know what i mean um and uh you know i i wish people would i think that supporting everyone is kind of a problem i think everyone's just like you know every band should just be hyping every other band up and it's like that's how you get a lot of like bad music bad popular music it's like i I, it's a weird thing i I almost don't know how to explain it right now but um you do get tired of hearing the same old shit man you know and it it, but it does make you appreciate the ones that are like standing out i guess but that's my issue is that if there's so much bullshit the, the, the real ones don't really they get lost in it you know what i mean well it is you know and and i think a lot of that comes from the fact that um, attention spans have got shorter and shorter because if they're on their phone streaming something and they don't like that riff that comes in at a minute 20, they can just go, oh, we'll go listen to something else. They don't give a song a full go. Maybe they don't give an album a full go because everyone, it feels like everyone's got um, zero attention. I think it's weird when you can listen to a band and be like, I know what this band listens to mm. and you listen to a band and be like i i know what this band is like you know inspired by like 
not even inspired by, but I'm like, this band wants to be like this band. If I can like tell that from listening to something and it's very clear cut, like, I think that's, that's whack. I mean, that, that that's already been done before. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, we can't have like, you know, one, one band gets popular and then you get like 200 bands that are all trying to do that same thing. And I'm like, why are you all trying to do like what someone else is doing? It's, it's weird, you know? <laughs> it, it's strange. So it's like it's... if, if it's also strange oh, because ahead. it's also strange because um, nowadays also, if you're a touring band, how do you make your income? Because you, are you taking CDs with you, and then also how do you make sure you are standing out from the other six hundred bands that are trying to sound like you? Yeah, it's. I mean, the main source of income I think for bands right now is obviously merch sales. Uh, because everyone's got their hands in your pocket unless you're independent. You know what I mean? And everyone wants to be independent, but I mean, realistically, it's it's very difficult to make it independent. And once you make a name for yourself, then it's an easier thing to switch to, you know? But, I mean, it's it's rough, but I mean, I have no doubt a lot of bands are making a lot of money, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, if you if you go on you know, let's see what Spite would be making on tour. You'd be like, oh, that's a shit ton of money. You know what I'm saying? Like all those merch sales, you look at like the gross, but then if you actually look at like what they're taking home afterwards, it's like, you're like, oh, <laughs> mm. you know what I mean? And like, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay with Spite. Spite's, Spite's doing all right, you know? And then uh, I have Outsider too, which, you know, keeps me going too. But I, I look at a lot of other bands and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, man, I don't know how, because I, I do know how it is from the inside. You know what I mean? And with everyone's hands in your pockets, I'm like, that's got to be rough. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm I'm lucky that like we are able to do what we're doing successfully. You know, um, again, like it's, you got to respect the people that listen to you. <laughs> yeah. And and. You know, you mentioned your clothing label there, Outsider. Um, when di- when did you decide to give that a go? And was it a case of um, not saying it the obvious, but it's an extra income revenue, but also is it something to tap your creativity? It is, absolutely. It's something that I've wanted to do, but, you know, when Spite was first starting for a long time. So um, when I finally was able to launch it, it was, I mean, it's, it's something I'm passionate about making clothes, you know? Um, and I'm able to like, it's another way of basically incorporating my, my ideas. You know what I mean? A lot of it, you could link a lot of like outsider clothing stuff to spite, you know, lyrics and stuff like that. And it's just another place for me to like get creative with that. Um, my friend Davis Ryder, he helps me with all the designs and stuff. And I just, I love working with him and just like coming up with these ideas and being like, this is going to look so cool. And like, it's just something that I get really hyped off of. And, uh, I mean, financially, it does help as well, you know, but um, I just like staying creative, you know, <laughs> it's the only thing that really keeps me going. Yeah, love it, man. Love it. And I love the, the looks of the stuff that you do um, at Outsider. The, Thanks, only, man. the only issue is Australian postage. Ooh, it fucking kills. Like you, you look at the price. Oh, I know. I know. You look at that and the T-shirt's <laughs> affordable and you go, yeah, sick. Check out. An extra forty-five bucks to post. Oh Jesus! Oh shit! <laughs> um, it always—I always do get super hyped when I get orders from Australia. Though, so yeah, we got we got quite a bit of a rabid fans out here for spite and what you do. So I'm not surprised. Um, oh. Right, last thing we do, man. 
It's called Pick Your Poison. We're just going to end on a bit of a fun yeah. note, have a bit of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. what makes you tick. What we do is I, I give you two options and you pick your favorite of the two. Now, some are going to be hard, but also you don't have to justify your answer. But if you're worried that someone's going to be like, hey, why'd you pick that? You can justify your answer. <laughs> okay, for sure. All right. Would you rather a pizza or a burger? Uh, a burger. Okay. Would you rather chicken or beef? Um, I mean, it kind of depends on how it's cooked. I'm going to have to go with beef. Okay. Would you rather ribs or brisket? You're trying to get all you're trying to get all the vegans on my ass, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get receiving a lot of hate from a bunch of vegetarians <laughs> and vegans after this. <laughs> what, what was that again? Ribs and what? Brisket. Oh man, uh, brisket. Okay, smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Smooth peanut butter. Coffee or tea? Coffee, one hundred percent. Uh, would you prefer to cook at home or dine out? Um, you know, I've been trying to cook more at home these days, but I prefer to dine out. <laughs> um, a new movie, do you want to watch it at the cinema or on your couch at home? Uh, cinema. Do you prefer the beach or the snow? Uh, beach for sure. I fucking hate the snow, man. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm a California boy, I do the snow just stresses me out in every possible way. <laughs> uh, PS4 or Xbox? Uh, Xbox. Um, I think I already know the next one because I follow you on Instagram. Cat or dog? Uh, dog for sure. Yeah, <laughs> not a big cat guy. No. Uh, <laughs> um, Terminator or Predator? Uh, oh man. We have a song called Judgment Day. So people are going to hang me for not <laughs> picking Terminator, but probably Predator. Um, Freddy or Jason? Ooh, uh, I think the concept of Freddy is like scarier and it's more creative. But I think, I mean, I, if I saw Jason in real life, I'd probably be more you know, intimidated by that character, so probably Jason. Uh, Chainsaw Massacre or Halloween? Uh, Chainsaw Massacre for sure. Leatherface is one of my favorites. Uh, Saw franchise or the Final Destination franchise? Mm, uh, Saw. Okay. South Park or Simpsons? (sighs) South Park for sure. Uh, Slayer or Pantera? Let me go back real quick. <laughs> I think that everyone needs to watch South Park. South Park should be required to watch by every person ever. Yes. I think South Park would uh, would help the way people are nowadays. <laughs> it really would. It, it's so but, un politically correct, but it's so you know honest and hilarious. Yeah, it? it's you. You need it. It's it would get everyone out of their ass but anyway we'll, we'll continue <laughs> um what do we say slayer or pantera uh pantera uh cannibal corpse or black dahlia murder Ooh, uh 
You know, honestly, I don't listen to much of either of those bands. Um, I've seen them both live, though, so I'm going to have to judge from the live performance. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Dahlia. Well, ah, man, that is so tough. <laughs> uh, I respect the singer of Cannibal, Cannibal Corpse. I mean, that dude's headbang is, like, so inspiring to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that dude's, like, his neck is so huge, and I, I, I'm feeling the same thing myself. My neck is just, like, way bigger and disproportionate to the rest of my body. <laughs> it's weird. So I can't decide. That's tough. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to settle with Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> okay. Uh, Manson or Rob Zombie? Oh, fuck. That's such another tough one, dude. Um, ah, uh, man. Uh, probably. Oh, my God. That's, that's so, that's like impossible. Okay. If it's, I'm going to choose Rob Zombie and like just know that that choice is like, barely like separating the two i love both of them so well i think i think the next few aren't going to get any easier um suicide silence or white chapel oh man um i'm gonna have to go yeah dude that's so tough again um i think that overall i think white chapel has had just a little bit more influence on me, so I'm gonna have to go with that. I love both of them, though. <laughs> uh, Tupac or Biggie? Um, I'm gonna have to go with Tupac. Okay. Last few here. Would you prefer stage dives going on when you're playing, or do you prefer mic grabs going on when you're playing? Um, stage dives for sure. Okay. If you're going to watch a show, do you watch from the middle of the mosh pit or up by the sound desk? Um, up by the sound. Okay. I, uh, you know, I, I don't typically mosh very much at all anymore. Just, you know, it's, it, it is safe to say people get hurt all the time. And like, I don't mind that, you know, it shit happens. You know what I mean? But I just, I can't really risk doing that especially when i'm on tour you know what i mean like getting hurt in that way to the point where i can't perform or something you know no that, that's um, not ideal. i do also like hearing like full production not like i like hearing the best of the sound and listening to a band rather than just you know getting too involved that's just personal preference um would you rather tour for the rest of your life or record for the rest of your life I love the recording process because I feel like it's the most creative part of everything. You know what I mean? Um, I love making new songs and all that. Like that's man. Like (laughs) that's, I look forward to it, you know, with every album, but I feel like I would go crazy if I could not perform the music. So I think that, you know, the adrenaline and the energy you get from connecting with your audience and performing the songs is just unbeatable. I mean, everything's worth those, you know, 30 to 40 minutes or whatever. Some have to go with touring. Yeah, fuck yeah. And last one, if you were to own one of your all-time favorite albums, would you rather have it on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? Um, 
there's something, you know, cool about having a physical copy, but just for the sake of being able to take it everywhere with me and play it at any time, I'm going to have to stay on my phone. Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, dude, thank you so very much for putting aside some time and chatting with me. You're a fucking nice dude and fucking legend, um, and I really, really appreciate this, not only as a big-time fan, but also for the show. It means a lot for the show. Of course, man. I appreciate you having me on it. It's killing me fucking
So that was my chat with Darius of Spite. And at the end there, you heard the band's track Kill or Be Killed from their album Nothing Is Beautiful. You also heard the title track of their upcoming brand new album. That song is called The Root of All Evil. And you also heard another new song from that album, and that is called The Offering. This is the part of the show where I spark that excitement, I spark that interest in you. If you enjoyed that chat with Darius, if you enjoyed the tunes at the end there, and you haven't yet discovered Spite, now is your opportunity. Get online, get into that discography. If you want to buy some merch or buy some physical copies, get onto eBay, get onto their merch now store, their big cartel, whatever it is. Support the man and the band and help them to keep doing what they love to do. Also, don't forget that brand new album, The Root of All Evil, comes out October 4th. Make sure you scope that out. Make sure you support the guys and get a copy of it. Pre-order it. You've still got about another week and a half, two weeks until it's released, so make sure you grab yourself a copy. Need to take this opportunity again to thank Darius for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated, dude. Hopefully the band and yourself get down to Australia soon. We definitely are overdue to see you guys live. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 86 done, dusted all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So, If you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.